Hello and welcome to the Win Win Effect podcast with your host, Chris Ross. This is the show for anyone that wants to drive productivity and maximize potential in any industry. Let's take a moment. Have you ever wondered about the psychology behind the persuasive marketing driving you to take action, sometimes on products you never thought people would buy? Well, that's just what makes this podcast stand out from the others. On these episodes, Chris will break down proven strategies that his companies use to respectably enroll prospective students into the correct programs to achieve overall business success and fulfillment in life. You will get a rare centralized look into both sides of the buyer-seller relationships that I'm sure anyone tuning in will receive massive value from to implement instantly. There are huge quantities of informational material from companies just trying to sell products, but not many giving you the right information on how to build companies from solid foundations, focusing on customers actually winning as the outcome. The Win-Win Effect podcast is a character-based code for human interaction and collaboration in business. Time is the only non-renewable resource in life. So with this podcast, the outcome is designed to bring you value to make it worth your time. On the last episode of the Win-Win Effect podcast, I discussed and exposed why companies are running away from old traditional sales techniques and why they're so ineffective today. Adopting the right approach for any salesperson is all about developing what works for them. Discovering what works will be challenging considering there are tons of techniques that will not work in today's world. The only way to give you a little bit more insight on what will work in today's world is starting off from cold calling. Is cold calling really dead? Either you've been in sales or you haven't been in sales. No matter what side of the buyer-seller relationships you've been on on a phone call, you've always heard the person calling, hey, is this Chris? Hey, is this Susan? And then going in talking about things that you don't care about. Cold calling has been getting less effective for years. Back in the day, decision makers either answered their own phones, usually off hours, or had their admin screening their calls. And why freaking not? Nobody wants to be cold called. While there's still sales trainers who are around who are pretending like it's 1952 and that you can build a business with cold calling, their success stories are either bullshit or outdated. Those techniques no longer work in today's marketplace. However, if you're able to find out more about the customer, pinpointing your approach, and preparing your sales team with enough information to position themselves as experts, then making a phone call out the blue will work. And it is effective if you know how to utilize it correctly. Here's the bottom line. If you're calling without context, then you're wasting your own time. Consumers today have extremely negative view towards people calling them out the blue, jamming products they don't want or services they don't need down their throat. By doing your own research and outreach beforehand, you can align a prospect's buying stage with your selling approach for more relevant, meaningful conversations during the call calling all salespeople. I hope you enjoy today's conversation where we're going to expose the most effective cold calling approaches involved delivering content to your prospects. Today's episode, I decided to bring on a guest. His name is Wes Bays. Wes is an entrepreneur, investor in multiple different types of industries and works alongside of myself training my emissions advisors on the right methods to use to get the most out of every single one of their calls. Without any further delay, Mr. West Bays, thank you so much for being here, my man. Absolutely. I'm happy to be here. The biggest thing, you know, I kind of wanted to cover real quick before we kind of dive into this because there's so many different ways that we can handle cold calling. You know, working with, you know, some of the major trade schools out there and now consulting with them independently and, you know, with my companies, a lot of people don't know why they're calling and they don't really state their intention or don't prepare for it. So they kind of sound real cheesy or maybe just maybe to getting inside their own head and that lack of confidence makes them sound like a telemarketer. <laughs> you know, have you ever seen that? Absolutely. In your experience, what are the people that you train? I mean, is that, is it something that they cringe when you say, I need you to get on the phone and dial these new potential customers? So the people that I train, I mean, they, my people have gotten to the point now where they truly enjoy cold calling. And that's a weird thing to say because people typically do cringe, you know, when you, when you say cold calling, but the thing is when you truly understand what it is, 
and understand that buyer-seller relationship, it can truly be uh, a fun and, and amazing process. So it's really just about understanding the key points that you know we'll be going over today and uh, you know being able to really break that down and understanding the psychology behind it. Right. No, I would, I would agree. It's one of my favorite things ever to do is get on a phone and call someone brand new. I'm just one of those curious people anyway. I have one of those types of minds the where when I ask questions, I'm really listening to you. And a lot of people, when they're cold calling, they're such in a rush and they're and it's just that uncomfortableness they, that the buyer goes through and they feel it and they can sense it through a phone. Because, you know, for most business people, it's interruptive in a day when your phone rings, it's annoying and distracting. But if it's if it's your job to call prospects, you don't want to have to fall into the category as that pesky sales rep. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, right. oh, hey, man, how's it going today? You know, like it sounds awful. You know, to kickstart a productive professional conversation, you need to have a strong opening and get in the right frame of mind. That positioning is everything, don't you think? Absolutely. Absolutely. 100%. Because, you know, ultimately, you know, how you come across the initial perception that first two seconds of that phone call, you know, that's where the, the your positioning is made. And so how you come across in that perception is key. Mm-hmm. I would agree. When I was working with one of the trade schools recently at, over the summer, and they gave, I asked, well, where's your scripts? I mean, I'm just trying to get an idea of what a call would sound like to them. And I was handed, I think, nine different scripts in one campus. They sent it over to me. So I was breaking those down and trying to figure out how they make an opening. And no one could tell me. No one. <laughs> you know? So it was like, it's... And that kind of told me why you get hung up on it. Like no one likes to make phone calls all day long and no one answers the phone or leaving voice messages. I mean, that's the uncertainty part, right? Absolutely. And the best cold calling opening lines to get prospects to stay on the line, just a few seconds is the most critical point. And I would agree with you. You know, is that and then the next 15, 20 seconds, Apple, after you establishing the interest for the prospects to stay on the line and listen. You know, and if you do that right, you need to have a great opening line. You can't get past it's like a first date. Right. There, I know a lot of different ways that don't work. I know it works for me is just being myself and being confident. I mean, would you agree? Absolutely. I mean, the biggest thing is to understand that that's another human being on the other side of that phone, and so it's not. It is a number that you're dialing, but that person is a human being, and you have to, you know, if if you don't capture their interest, especially if they're busy, and hook them in right within those first few seconds, you're not going to have much time with them at all. Think about if I called you right now and I didn't get to the point or have a strong opening and have, you know, good positioning or even asked and listened, you know, maybe ask you a question like, how, how can I help you? And you'd be like, what, what are you talking about? But if that sounded awful, then you don't want to lead with something like that. It's open-ended to the point to where it goes. You can go anywhere with it. I always try to train my salespeople. Don't ask questions. You don't know the answer to. All right. I mean, you pigeonhole yourself. So I know what not to do. And it's because we're living in a world where the hurry up and get to the point becomes paramount, right? So it's, we're always in a rush. People's times, you know, times are limited with tasks and things they're trying to accomplish in whatever day, because you always have that manager that comes to you. Hey, I need you to do this at the last minute because prospects don't have the time to listen. But besides being busy, they're probably receiving hundreds of cold calls every week or if you're maybe someone that's trying to go to school, I always think about it that way because you have to work on the compliance side on what you can say and what you can't say. And you have to lead with certain things because your calls are recorded, you know? Right. So, Absolutely. And that's, and, that's, and that's a huge point there. I mean, ultimately, if you're calling someone who's in a role of decision making and that person can even be the secretary at a business, the, the, you cannot waste their time because there are so many people already trying to waste their time on a weekly basis. And so they already have their guard up. So thinking about that initially before you ever get on the call, you know, how can I be most effective in the shortest amount of time possible? Mm-hmm. And that shortest time possible, you want to get to the point, but you also want to be, you know, sympathetic or courteous to the, you know, what's going on in the world. I always try to tell, you know, the book is always better. So then watching a movie. And that's why I love, I'm just fascinated by sales. And I've been that way for my whole career. I just love sales. I mean, if I want to put myself in a better mood, I get on the phone and start dialing. That's that simple. You know, and I always will end up having a better day because I'm trying to make their days better by the 
information I'm going to share with them. You know, do you see where the mindset piece is there? Yeah. So it's just it. I have an outcome in mind, but what about the outcome? I mean, you mentioned a lot of that before, and I've heard you train a lot of my salespeople, you know, having an outcome in mind before you even pick the phone up. Absolutely. I mean, it serves many purposes, but ultimately when you understand the outcome and that is what you have to have by the end of that call, one, you stay on track when you're on that call and you're being very effective in what in what you're saying, how you're positioning things and how you're guiding that call. But two, it's also visualization. And so when you already know what you want, you're going to visualize what you want. You're going to commit to what you want. Now you are much more committed to that phone call in general. I would agree. That's how dedicated you have to be towards your craft. In my opinion, you can't just pick up the phone and want to make phone calls in sales or can you? Uh, Absolutely. And here's the thing is that you need to get to the point to where even if you can hear another salesperson and what even the verbiage that they're using, you know what that prospect is doing on the other side or what they're thinking or what's happening to them just based off of what that salesperson. So a lot of time when I'm listening to, you know, if I have a salesperson that's doing a live call in front of me, I can just tell what's happening on the other side of that phone call just based off of the words that they're saying and even the mannerisms of the salesperson. So it is, it's important to be conscious of what, what, what's that environment? Frame that environment of that person and say, how can I be effective in, in the environment in which they're in? And if you can't be, then how can I create a scenario where I can be? You know, I like to always use this analogy. And, I, and this is part of sales too, is storytelling. You know, that's a huge method that you can use and a technique that you can develop into a really powerful skill for yourself if you know how to, you know, relate and, and mirror people and trying to figure out if you can paint the right picture for them to visualize it in your view. A lot of people don't understand the sales representative's point of view and understanding, you know, what you're trying to accomplish. Maybe they're not really getting a full grasp of, you know, their the things they need to accomplish throughout the day. You know, how many dials do they need to make? How many voice to voice? I mean, what's the speed of contact when a lead comes through? These are all things that are internal. What a lot of salespeople do is they let all these internal bullshit go on in their day, affect how they communicate with potential buyers. You know, so it's, I I heard a sales call the other day and said, he goes, oh, I'm really happy that you answered the phone. (laughs) I guess that he was making a bunch of dials. It was just awful. He goes, hey, this is John. You know, I'm calling from a technical college that it looks into, you know, a lot of different medical assisting. And we help a lot of, you know, potential students try to figure out what's the next point or, or maybe just sometimes a foundation to start off their career click. Right. It was like, what went wrong? I said, everything, everything went wrong. Like you didn't even ask how she was doing, right? you know, or what was going on? I'm like, we're, I, I used to always go and just try to keep it simple. Like I'm going to pretend like I'm calling someone I know. Right. Right. Why? Well, how important is that? It's absolutely important. I mean, when you're calling somebody, you know, you're not calling them and starting to talk about exactly everything that happened to you that day right off the gate before you, they even get a chance to take a breath. And so, mm-hmm. you, you know, you have to treat that prospect the same way. I, you know, I'm going to, you know, when I call you and I want to talk, you know, I'm going to talk to somebody that I absolutely have never talked to before. I have to first engage with you as a human being, but then I also have to get to why it's very important that they are on this call with me. So mm-hmm. how can I do that again in the quickest amount of time possible? Because that person already is judging you from the second that you got on that call and the second you stated your name and where you're from. Right. Right. I mean, do you go into the call, like asking those, you know, basic questions just to try to get into some type of level of rapport? Absolutely. I mean, for me, it's, I have to, the thing when you're, when you're calling somebody you absolutely don't know is you have to understand that they need to see the value in that phone call right away. And the way that I typically do that is by giving some kind of value proposition first, mm-hmm. as soon as I possibly can. So if I'm calling up, you know, ABC company, I'm going to say, Hey, this is Wes with ABC company. I figured out a way that your company is losing a quarter million dollars. And I want to go over that with you today. But by the way, how are you doing? You know, so now you have a reason to talk right. to me and now I'm going to engage you because I've already added value. And now I'm going to engage you mm-hmm. as a human being as well, but I'm going to get off of myself as quickly as possible and make it about them. Beautiful. Beautiful. And you know, basically what you're doing, just trying to get on common ground. Here's my intention. Here's what I'm trying to do. And here's what I, what I plan to do with you and try to give you a little bit more insight on 
what your options are if you decide to do blah, blah, blah. And then you give, you know, you're positioning yourself as an expert. That's the most, that's the most important thing, you know, cause they need to start viewing you as that. And if you, a lot of people try to lead with explaining who they are, that's the biggest failure, yeah. you know, is that I'm the VP. Yeah. No one cares. Yeah. No one gives a shit. Right. So it's, you know, you can't tell people who you are, let them see through the, what's coming out of you and what you're communicating, you know, and a lot of it is, you know, I've, I learned before is that there's different forms of communication, but why nonverbal communication matters so much is because it's, it's way your human brain works. It's you'll match and then mirror, then leading and then future pacing and understanding how, you know, the lead to call in a right way. And you can't influence someone when you don't speak their language. You got to speak their language. I like the future pace a lot. And I try to get them to see things that way that I'm looking at them, but I also want to be empathetic towards what they're going through throughout the day. So what are the biggest things after, I mean, when you're training a new salesperson, like say I'm a brand new salesperson, what would be the first thing that you would tell me about cold calling? Absolutely. So if I'm training a salesperson for the first time, the first thing that I'm going to go over with that person is how do you prepare for that phone call? And everything that you just mentioned, Chris, with uh, everything you're going to do on that call, that all has to be part of your pre-call planning. And so my pre-call planning consists of putting myself into that scenario. And now that I'm in that scenario, now I'm going to understand, try to understand everything about that person, about that industry, as far as from, from the standpoint of when I get on that phone call with that person, what is that person doing? What, what are they most likely to be doing? Uh, you know, what kind of frustrations may, do they possibly face throughout the day? And so it's amazing that even if you are, understand, say, a single frustration of that person and you get on that phone call and the first thing you say, hey, I know you're probably such and such and such, you know, and frustration, 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 how, what kind of impact that makes because now you are getting on that common ground. That person actually understands me. They're not just another person trying to sell me something. So that's what you really want to plan for. Or when I'm, you know, talking to, a brand new salesperson. We're going to talk about how do we plan our phone call and how can you get yourself to a point within your planning to where you can even hear or relay back what that potential prospect might say to you without ever even touching the phone yet. Beautiful. But being too prepared will hurt you as well. Because if you look at it in a certain way where if the plan goes out the window, what do you do? I like to bring it back to simple and just ask dumb questions to get myself back in a rapport. Absolutely. It's the conditioning. And so you have to break through that typical conditioning, especially nowadays where, and this is why you see a lot of people saying cold calling is dead because they don't understand, mm-hmm. because now to them, they're very reactive when it comes to their prospects. The people who tell you cold calling are dead are typically reactive because it's like, okay, mm-hmm. this person already feels a certain way. Well, we all feel a certain way about a lot of things. And so how can I break that pattern? How can I break that conditioning? And so you doing that and you getting personal with them or asking them a question completely off the wall or has nothing to do with maybe what you're, you're trying to talk to them about can make the biggest difference because now it just engaged another part of their brain and is starting to let go of the fact that, hey, I'm on the call with a salesperson that's trying to sell me something. Mm-hmm. I mean, what if you're doing obviously B2B or going into, you know, I don't know, campus or going into a business? I mean, how would you normally prepare for that? For me, the preparation has to come with understanding first the industry and exactly, you know, what does that day-to-day look like? What are some of the, what are the, some of the pain points, a lot of the pain points that that typical company or industry faces? So as I'm going to become very knowledgeable. Now, of course, it depends on what kind of business you're in and who you target. Now, if your target market is a whole bunch of different businesses, then you want to, you definitely going to want to prepare for every single visit that you're going to have or phone call that you're going to make. If you are part of a common industry, you know, where or you're targeting a common industry, your preparation time now decreases just a little bit because you have a further understanding of that industry. The first thing is you want to become well-versed right. and, and be able to speak their language a little bit, especially maybe even some of the, a little bit of their jargon, right? It's nothing, you know, when you call someone and, you know, they're talking about CPCs or CPAs or anything along those lines, and you're able to Uh, you know, speak that same language that they know that you understand, but they don't think the general public understands, you know, ears are going to perk up a little bit. So for me, it's, I'm going to understand that I'm going to find out who is one, who's the decision maker, the potential decision maker, who is the person that is the barrier. 
in most B2B, you're going to have someone who is the barrier, whether it's a secretary or someone else before you get to the actual person that you need to speak to. So what in that scenario, if I know I'm going to run into a barrier, what am I prepared to do or say in order to get that person to become on my side? How can I get that person to become my advocate? So a lot of it's preparation from the standpoint of how can I make sure that I knock down every potential barrier or close any potential gap in my interaction there, you know, to get to the point where I can even, you know, speak to someone who is uh, a decision maker, even be able to propose what I have to offer. Mm -hmm. Well, gotcha. So, I mean, and the reason why I asked that question is that a lot of people think it's different. You know, if you're walking into a campus or walking into a business, it doesn't matter what capacity, you know, they're, they're going to really prepare for that because they don't want to look stupid. Yep. Absolutely. So, but I train the same way when I walk inside of a big presentation or something and if I'm going to give a big, huge PowerPoint at a campus or whatever, I'm going to plan the same way that I would walk into that campus with a lot of you know confidence and make sure that you know, if I'm the expert and they're viewing me as that and they're paying me you know, $2.3 or $2.4 million for five years to do this job, then I need to act the part. You see what I'm saying? But it's not... If when you're... That's where people come into you know, the imposter syndrome and they're trying to be somebody that they're not. I'm just really confident about what I do because I've done it for so long and I'm in history has proven with my results I've achieved. Yeah. But planning your sales visits is just like planning for, you know, an opening sales call. I mean, I want to research, the, like you said, research the account prior to the call, learn something about the person in the business before the meeting. And I'm talking about something specific here. Everyone's stuck on Facebook or Instagram or Twitter or one of those platforms, right? A lot of people view that as a connection tool. Well, I view it as a business tool, right? So what I look at it as, I'll type in the person. Is usually what they do is they give me an email or they'll give me a phone or they'll give me a, a name. I'm going to Google that person. It's not that mm-hmm. difficult. I'll find something very specific. I'll pick out the high school they yep. went to. Not talk up, not trying to manipulate them. I'm just trying to find that common ground to break through the yeah. bullshit, mm-hmm. right? So it's, what is the goal of the call? What do I need to find out during the call? What's the next step after the call? Yep. And a lot of people fail because they try to sell a product. I'm not trying to sell anything to you right now. I'm just going to have a conversation to see if I can qualify or disqualify you on the phone. Right. Absolutely. That's a huge piece because ultimately you have to understand who you're talking to and why you're talking to them and if they even fit fit the part. And so a lot of, a lot of salespeople are going to go after it. You know, they're going to be chasing it like they're desperate for it. Right. And that's typically why you see you know, you get shut down so much in cold calling, but when you, f- when you flip that table around or you flip sides and you start looking at it, you know, is this person qualified enough for me to help them? And asking yourself that question, that's extremely important, but you know, preparation, that confidence, that's extremely important. I mean, I have never encountered one salesperson who didn't have confidence. I actually purchased something from, I will, you know, if you have confidence and you come to me as you're knowledgeable, I am inclined to listen to you. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, you know, and me, of, of course, it's a little different for me because I'm, a, you know, I train sales, but, you know, when I see a very good salesperson, I love to purchase from them because I'm like, this person actually has mm-hmm. passion. They actually put in the effort into what they do into their craft. And you'll be surprised how many people will actually be more inclined to listen to you or take action just because they love who you are and how you come across and how you even make them feel because of your personality. 100% agree. I mean, would you say that's one of the main things that people look for in today in sales? Absolutely. Because if you come across as you're not confident or you're a little bit nervous, they're going to really question mm-hmm. how experienced you are. Because if you notice that people who, you know, I, we've all come across this where you have, you know, that guy that's, you know, 65 years old has been in his industry for 40 years and just comes across and he's just coming in, just having a normal conversation with whoever it is that he's looking to sell and he just kind of has a laid back attitude, doesn't really, you know, they don't really seem like they care about, you know, anything, but uh, but they care a lot about what they do and they're very knowledgeable and they're there to help you. And you're more inclined to buy from that person, you know, purchase from that person because of the fact that you're like, this person understands what they're doing. And so that's extremely important. Confidence is key. And if you go into any interaction not confident, they are going to judge you on every word that you say. But if you come across as confident, you can you can slip up, you can make some mistakes, you can say maybe things that you didn't want to say, and you can still recover from it, or you can just you know set it aside because it's not going to harm you as much. One of the biggest things that I see people fail now is when they're like quick talkers. Or I mean, I'm a quick talker, but I I learned in sales that I 
ask questions or ask action provoking questions or getting someone to open into questions and get them to respond to me. And based off their answers, I'm going to have effective communication. But when I'm training those types of, you know, VPs and directors and regionals and whatnot, I, a lot of, I'm trying to train them on what to look for and hiring the right person. Right. And it's, I'm, I'm a, big believer that you can train anyone to do anything as long as you got to find a way to relate to them. People think that effective communication is getting your, you know, viewpoint across. That's, that's not right. You know what I mean? So it's actually having the patience to listen to what they're saying to you. Absolutely. And that's huge. And that's why you see a lot of, you know, high level sales, salespeople are introverts because by nature they don't, they don't talk a lot, mm -hmm. but then, you know, anybody who's an extrovert, they, you know, when they understand that, piece, some, a lot of them have a hard time understanding that piece of, uh, you know, you, you have to, I mean, you have to shut up just like you said. I mean, we we're going to say just like that, but it's one of those scenarios where, you know, the more that you talk, you potentially are going to talk yourself right out of that sale. And so, but an extrovert who understands that concept is a, can become a master of sales, you know, very easily because, mm -hmm. you know, they already have, they have that natural energy. They come across as someone who, you know, mm -hmm. somebody else wants to follow, you know, and so, but then when they also give that consideration or are able to truly understand that interaction, you know, they perform at a high level. And so that's when I'm typically looking for someone who I'm looking to hire, I'm looking for what's your ability to listen. And when I'm interviewing you, I'm going to see how well you're listening in that interview. Or are you just looking to, are you just, you know, waiting to respond to me when I ask you a question or, you know, when I'm talking? Right. Being a great communicator, I always would go to, you know, in a lot of salespeople, especially in the education field, I would train them on an idea approach. It's introduction, discovery, emotion, appointment. That okay. simple. Introduction is not going to last long. What? Three seconds? Then I'm going to go into discovery mode. That discovery mode is I'm going to start discovering things about you. It's that simple. People like to overcomplicate things and not understand what's going on. But if you break it down in this little simple method, this will get you to a point where you can actually have a normal conversation. Yeah, Wouldn't absolutely. You agree? Absolutely. And, and having that understanding of that approach and with every interaction that you go through is important so that you don't miss those steps. So if you're coming in or you're talking a lot or anything along those lines, you know, that's why having an approach or understanding your, you know, or having pre-call planning is important because, you know, and, and having a structure that you go off of because it keeps you in line and understand and being conscious of your interaction. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's, you know, and you can't get to that type of level and just having those little, you know, the idea approaches, introduction, discovery, emotion, appointment. And what I'm going to do is I'm trying to live in that, you know, discovery and emotion world because emotion is going to drive them, not my emotion, their emotion. And if you can't communicate effectively, <laughs> you mean you're not going to be able to actually understand what they're mm -hmm. going through. You know, of, you know, okay, hey, I, I'm trying to go to, I'm trying to learn how to be an entrepreneur. I'm trying to start my own online business. I get a lot of this, right? So, and they go, I'm trying to start my online business, but I think I need to get this funnels and this and this and this. Well, I, where would you go with that? In that in that scenario, I mean, it's like, what do you what for for me? What do you have to offer? As ultimately, what what are you doing? Why right. are you doing this? What is it? What it's? What are you looking for? What's the outcome that you're seeking? Right. Because and most people, mm -hmm. they're probably going to tell you is I want to make money. Right. And what, the second that you mm -hmm. hear, I want to make money, you know that you either have to break through that person right, and get them to understand truly why they're doing this or, you know, where that's going to end up leading to. And that's actually why 98 percent of people who are doing online businesses nowadays are failing it's for that reason alone. It's because they come to it for the, with the wrong intention. Mm -hmm. Right. Right. I mean, that's the biggest thing when, you know, with the, you know, TCR consulting agency and what we, you know, developed together and, you know, and you play a huge role in, in making sure the compliance is there, you know, with the general counsel and whatnot, with the accreditation boards, you know, every three or four months. Right. So, and not just our salespeople or our emissions consultants or advisors, they're trained on the accreditation piece of what they can say, what they cannot say to students and even goes into the entrepreneur world is that they have the wrong they're just trying to make money. You know, if I was just trying to make money, I wouldn't have been, I wouldn't have got to the point in my life as I'm, I'm in right now. You see what I'm saying, Wes? Like I wouldn't have gotten here. And it all starts when you're mastering certain things that will help you get to a certain point of success yeah. in your own mind. But, you know, even when it goes to, 
training those types of staffs or dealing with those types of students, you'll call cold call them. It might be the opening call, but it's an, right. it's still a cold call. You know what I mean? You don't know nothing about that person other it may depending on the internal stuff inside the business. If you know, my our businesses have assessments. We have an understanding of what their skill set is before we walk into the call because I'm trying to, you know, as a CEO, I try to put my sales team or person involved in my business in position to win every day. That's my job. And I get paid off of how much pressure can I handle successfully? And I'm and you do as well. We've had numerous conversations about this. And it all goes down to is data shows an average salesperson on a call talks 75% nope. of the time. You can't get through your compliant side and actually understand what the person's going through when you're talking three quarters right. of the call. Absolutely. You see what I'm saying? I know a lot of listeners are probably listening to this right now. I thought we we're going to talk about cold calls. Right. We are talking about cold calls because everything comes right. into play with this. You know what I mean? Like you can't just get on the phone right. and dial. You, well, you can if you have the experience, but if you don't understand the psychology and how the human brain works and what people are going through, being empathetic, I mean, you're not going right, to be successful. I, I truly believe one thing, and that's you don't have the right to speak a lot until the person feels that you are someone of value to them. Right? And so, and that only comes to when you build on that relationship, and that never happens in a cold call. And so, the, to being effective in your communication when it comes to your questioning and Ultimately, you have to ask yourself, the, you have to tell yourself the, the a client or customer only cares about one thing, and that is what's in it for me. And all, all of your communication and everything that you do has to be about what's in it for them. And so we can talk, we're going to talk about a lot of different things on, on how you make sure that, you know, that your client is selling you versus you constantly trying to sell them, you know, things along the lines. But ultimately, it's mm -hmm. everything you do is for what's in it for the client. And that's what they're going to receive the most and why they're going to engage with you. Right. Right. I mean, it's, that was such a huge point. And I, I didn't want to talk over you with that because I wanted to listen to hear how important that is. And it's people just don't, we live in a world, everyone's, you know, they're stretched for time man. they don't want to, they don't have enough time in their day to listen to what's going on, but they will if, you touch on what's in it for them. State your intention, but not just state your intention. It's how you state your intention with the tonality. Because tonality yep. is everything. Asking open-ended questions. I'm not asking open-ended questions just to get through my script. A lot of buyers understand that. Well, I've heard this question before. I mean, consumers yeah. are smart, man. On the social media side, I mean, how many what's the what's a typical like kind of cold call for the social media when side, do you think? When it comes to it um, when it comes to like oh, the script that you're writing or the messages that you're sending. Yeah. Okay. So uh, the typically what you're looking for on the social media side is going to be uh, get personal first. So uh, so asking questions or introducing yourself in such a way that's a little bit more personal before you ever go to uh, any kind of you know why I'm I'm contacting you or what's in it for you or anything along those lines. One thing I see a lot happening a lot, and this actually happens a lot on LinkedIn more than any other platform, and that is you know, somebody will add me and they'll right away, they'll send me this three paragraph uh, message about what they, their business can, you know, do from here. And, and in most scenarios, what their business does in general. And so, yeah, maybe you reach out to 2000 people and you might get a few people that might be interested, but ultimately it's, I need to connect with you first and then I'll go into how I may help you. So that's typically in social media, it's a little bit of a longer stretch and longer process, but you want to have, you know, that communication back and forth and not just, Hey, this is a giant summary of what my company does. If you need me, let me know. Right. But in that type of world, you know, it's, it's difficult to relate on a certain level when they don't even know what's yeah. really you know possible, you know? And, and so, the, yeah, and that's, and that's actually a huge point because Ultimately, you know, when you really think about it, the most important thing with social media, especially nowadays, is engagement. So we all know this engagement is everything. If no one's engaging with your company, engaging with your posts or your messages or anything along those lines, they, you know, they, you're not going to get anywhere. And so relate that back to cold calling. And what does that mean? You know, the reason why they're not answering back to you is because they see no value in what you're giving or what you're doing. And in some scenarios, they're not even seeing it. And so 
you know, when you think about that for a second, then people are looking to engage and that's typically they're looking to engage because what they got out of it was very valuable to them. And so they gave you that like or that comment or anything, you know, and whatever it is, take that back to cold calling. It's the same thing. So what is it that, what is that value that you're going to give them over the phone that is going to get them to engage back with you? And that's why we talk about getting to that value proposition you know, as quickly as possible on what's in it for me. And that, that a lot of times that doesn't mean going to a giant, you know, speech about it, but it's giving one little nugget that's going to hook them in that will keep them on that phone call. And now we can get to the rest of it. Do your sales guy have a lot of scripts for the, the social media side? I assume that there would be an assessment and questionnaire, something similar that you've done Absolutely. for my companies, right? So when, like on those types of assessments, right, or questionnaires, I mean, what type of information do they expose? Do they as little as they can? I mean, kind of just basic information or is it detailed information about why they it's want to accomplish very goals? very detailed on why they want to accomplish, you know, whatever it is. And so when you're doing an assessment um, or anything that you're at, everything that you're putting in there, all the questions that you're asking have to do with that person, right? It's all about them. It's not just about right. your company. It's almost never about your company or your product and service. It's about them. And what you're doing is you're qualifying them through your assessments. And so it's going into a lot of detail on what it is, you know, everything about them. And if you do it the right way, what that ends up leading to is a little bit of that spark in their own mind when they are putting every, all these things about themselves and answering their, the questions that you've strategically laid out. And they get to the point where they have like that little, you know, thought in their head, that says, you know, maybe I don't know as much as I know, or maybe I need a little bit more help, you know, or things along those lines because of the, mm -hmm. the type of questions that you're asking that maybe is putting a little bit of doubt in their mind. And so uh, that's what a good assessment does, but that's also what a good phone call does as well. Right, right. And, I, and this is this is exactly why I wanted to talk about cold calling, because like you mentioned earlier, people think cold calling is dead. It is if you don't know what you're doing. I actually usually judge the companies that I come in contact with, if they're still cold calling in a certain way, in the businesses that we own together and the businesses I own separately on, in different things, especially in the education field and the consulting agency, what I my job is to put my team in a position to be successful, like I mentioned earlier, every day. So if a company does not have an assessment or questionnaires, I train my people to make sure how can I improve the overall experience of the customer at all times? How can you improve them? It is educate them, is educate the students as much as possible or educate the, the buyer as much as possible before you get on a call. It's that simple. How to improve your closing rate? Focus on all the questions on, you know, on your client, not yourself. How can you do that indirectly? By emails. You can do it by questionnaires. You can have someone else reach out to them. Positioning is everything, right? If I was a, before I was even a CEO or started businesses, right? I was working as a sales rep. I didn't have an assistant, but I had another salesperson call and pre not pretend to be my assistant. They're on my team. They wouldn't say, I'm an assistant of Chris Ross. They would say, I'm one of the team members of Chris Ross. I just want to make sure that I'm confirming the appointments. Here's what I'd like for you. Here's what Chris would yeah. like for you to have on the call. Do you see what I'm saying? Yep, absolutely. And that's huge. And that's a, that's a, a whole topic of its own because I remember when I was, you know, back in when I was a, a salesperson as well, that I would do the same thing. You know, I was in financial services mm -hmm. and, you know, I would get somebody, you know, we sat in little cubicles at the time all next to each other. It's called like the, we had like a, it's like a little pit. And uh, what we do is I would get somebody else to call for me and basically talk me up or edify me, as we would say now. Right. And, you know, talk about, hey, this is, you know, James from, you know, Wes's office, even though this guy is right next to me and I'm next to him in this little, you know, cubicle. And it, but all it is, the whole purpose of it, like you said, is positioning, because now when I get on that phone call, now this person is thinks of me in a whole different light, is more inclined to listen to me. Right. And, you know, and that's effective cold calling. I know that we're talking about picking up the phone and calling somebody you've you've uh, never met or never talked to, mm -hmm. but that pre-qualifying and that positioning, as much as you can do that beforehand, if your industry allows, and some industries allow it more than others. Mm -hmm. And, you know, if your industry allows, that is a huge piece in there. And the more you can add in there, the you're really going to go more from a cold call to a warm call at that point, because at least that person has an idea of who, of who you are.
Mm-hmm. Exactly. I mean, I see a lot of, you know, um, a little bit more traditional sales way back in the day that people would send their bios before the meeting. That's helpful, but I don't want them to know the whole story about me because it's, you need to have the potential buyer or the person you're about to meet with. You need to have some type of, you know, uncertainty about how the call's going to go, who they are, what's going on. You know what I mean? I don't want to know everything about me, but I'm going to let them know that, you know, I am an expert in this field and here's the reasons why. Yeah. And then oh. I'm going to, and I'm not going to, <laughs> I'm not going to have them get to the point to where they're disappointed. I'm telling you that right now, I'm going to bring heat on that first call. I'm not going to follow cold calling script. I'm not going to have any kind of questions wrote down verbatim, but I am going to have bullet points of what I'm trying to do with you. And I am first thing I'm going to do is figure out what type of buyer you are. How is that important? Mm-hmm. Extremely important because the way you communicate, ultimately the, the outcome is the same, but the way you communicate to that buyer Mm-hmm. is really depends on what kind of buyer they are. And, and you understanding that right away is very important because you need to adjust your communication style to fit that person. Right. You got a bunch of different types of buyers out there. You get an analytical buyer, you know, the analytical buyer does, it's not going to sit there and you're going to talk about emotion with them. That's not going to work. I, I've heard right. so many people do that. You know, you can even go into the different side of, you know, the buyers are going into consultative selling. I'm not going to consultative sell with an analytical person without talking about what their basic needs are, you know, and, or if I'm going to talk to a driver, as you can tell, I'm a driver, right? It's my personality. I'm a driver. So I'm not going to get on a phone with a driver and try to plow them over. You know what I mean? Because we're going to butt heads. And those personality types are going into someone that's very, you know, is amiable, right? You need to pat them on the back a little bit, make sure they're understanding who they are. You know, there's right. so many things that come into play with this that people just think they can approach a cold call and be successful. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. So you need to, uh, right as soon as you can, you need to ask the right type of questions. And and a lot of times you can hear it by the person. There's a few things you need to look out for when it comes to understanding what kind of buyer you're dealing with. First, mm-hmm. first is the way that they communicate with you. So what is it like? What is their energy level like? What kind of words are they saying? You know, are, are you hearing a lot of feeling words? You know, are you feeling, are you hearing a lot of, you know, more of that logical side or, you know, are they talking a lot more about numbers, right? You know, what, what does that look like? Or are they just very aggressive, right? So that's a lot of ways that you can identify who you're dealing with, but also asking the right questions to see, you know, what, what type of buyer are, you know, to, to understand what type of buyer you are or they are is, you know, you can ask a multiple choice questions or, you know, do you, do you think A, B or C? Right. Or you can ask them some kind of um, even a math question. I do that a lot. You know, I'll, I'll kind of test out exactly how they think if, if I'm looking at numbers, for example. So I'll start kind of mm-hmm. breaking down some numbers and I'll see how they follow me on that. And are you following me or are you not? Do you care? Or do you not care? Right. So I'm right. going to see I'm going to push a little bit to see what you care about, what you don't care about. And I'm only going to ever focus on what you care about, because if you don't care about what I'm saying, and if I'm crunching numbers for absolutely no reason, I'm going to stop crunching those numbers. I'll tell you what mm-hmm. they are at some point, but I'm not going to sit there and justify through the numbers. I'm going to look at maybe how you feel, you know, or so, you know, are you an expressive person? You know, and I'm going to let you express yourself, right? So we're going to, and I'm going to kind of guide you through it, but ultimately is you not losing, you know, that track or staying on track with your outcome. And that's why, you know, the first thing you said, Chris, was having bullet points. That's why it's important a lot of times to have something there because you want to make sure that you're not getting sucked into them and they're not taking over the call and taking Mm -hmm. control. You want to be able to maintain through it. And that doesn't mean that you have to talk a lot. It just means that you have to keep asking the right set of questions all the way throughout to stay on track. Right. I um, used to live in Texas years ago, right? Um, Before I met my wife and moved to England. I don't know, crazy, right? So, the, I was living in Texas and the first time, and I'm from the South, you know, so in South Carolina and, but that's a different South in Texas. When I went to, um, what is that? One of those square dancing places, you know, like, um, going dancing, right? Going dancing. That's what they would say. When you go yeah. there and they, <laughs> watching them square dance, you have to kind of get in rhythm. And that's what it's all about with trying to find the type of buyer you're speaking to. And people don't even understand the psycho, you know, the psychology behind, how the human brain works to understand what people really want and what you can do with them, what you can't do with them. You know, the analytical buyer is just straight up logic and information. That simple. You know, if you try to talk a lot about emotion with them, they're going to hang up. They're not going to be engaged. They're not going to be in the same you know page with you. They're not going to move along because the main thing is kind of keeping that rapport on a high point, low point, and then bringing it back neutral. 
And when you're laying yeah. down certain things that they need to make you know, sites decisions on, they have to make that decision based off of what they're trying to accomplish. And they can't make that decision when they're in a high state or low state. Don't you agree? Absolutely. You have to keep them neutral. You always have to bring them back to neutral. Even when you're at the point of closing a sale, you have to bring them back to neutral because even if you're closing even at a high, or a high, um, a high point, that is where it might lead to some buyer's remorse as well. And so the best people that even close sales know, understand that you got to bring them back to neutral, even if they are at a high point before you, you know, even when you're making that sale. And the thing to also look out for going back to your point is that, uh, you, you might have a multiple uh, or the, the, um, dry or the buyer that you have or the type of buyer that you have might have uh, multiple of these. It could be a driver and expressive, right? It mm-hmm. could be somebody and, and how you approach them, you know, so for example, that dress someone who's a driver and even amiable, they could have a little bit of both is that, you know, you can stroke their ego, right? Mm-hmm. You, 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 you know, you let them talk, you guide them through, you ask them their questions and you're kind of stroking their ego throughout. Right. And, you know, they feel like they're dominating or they're in control, but in reality, you have complete control of that phone call. And I know we're, you know, on future episodes, we're going to go through uh, some of those things. And I think that would be good for, for the listeners. Um, but uh, that's, that's something very important to understand. Mm-hmm. Especially when, a, you know, someone is making a cold call right from the beginning and they don't understand that. And if you're talking to someone that's, you know, an amiable buyer, right? And they have stability and a comp- you know, cooperation, they, they want to make everyone else happy. That's their biggest trait. They're going to let you talk. If you're a talker, they're going to let mm-hmm. you talk and they're not going to cut you off and they're going to, you know, have a good time when they're on the phone with you, but they're going to hang up and be like, what an idiot. All right. It's, you have to know who you are. I mean, amiable buyers hate chaos. They hate change. You can't force someone to change or can you, but you can ask the, the right questions to get them to realize they need to make a change. Yeah. You know, so it's why is this change important? Do you think? Establishing rapport and being friendly, being present. Someone's really present inside the phone call with not a lot of things going on around them and making sure they're focused. They can pick apart people with understanding, just under, you know, just understanding their personality. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. And ultimately, it's just about finding those trigger points or those pain points. Because when you get someone, when you hit some of those and that person really cares, doesn't matter if they're analytical, a driver, amiable, doesn't matter what they are. They're mm-hmm. now, now they're going to listen. Now they're going to care about what you're saying. And now they're going to want to be engaged in the conversation. So the more committed they are to the conversation, the more committed they will be to the process and to eventually to the closing or the sale. Right. Um, a lot of people um, have a lot of problems with analytical that their drivers are expressive. I've actually always have a great time with all buyers because I've learned how to deal with them. But when I very first started, I had a huge problem with another driver because I was a driver. I didn't know how to get my point across. I used to always think that I had to like, I wouldn't say product knowledge drop, but I would have to like make sure I brought so much value to that. So they saw me like I was superior and they were inferior to me. Right. And that's the biggest thing that you cannot do and and understanding who they are. When you're have you know a salesperson, you're trying to communicate with another driver and you're getting across your point. You got to make statements that are active, brief, and concise. That simple, right. you know. Right. It's sharing those facts and accumulated into tangible results. That simple. Try to have them picture what their life would look like if they decide to move forward. You know, so right. like, listen, I mean, even if I don't really want to sell you a product or try to help you with my business, it doesn't mean that I don't have, you know, contacts with another business that I can at least, you know, recommend you towards. That's not going to happen. <laughs> you know what I mean? Because I'm going to build the program around it or build something around their needs and wants and desires. You know what I mean? It's that simple. But I'm going to avoid emotional arguments with them. Right. When a driver, sometimes they try to focus on the very small little detail of, whatever they believe because they want to get their point across. Well, how to combat that is to focus on a big picture benefit, not the detail. It's relating on so many different levels. And it all goes back to me judging a CEO or me judging the VPs or the directors, the executives on how they run their companies. If they make a lot of cold calls and they don't know their sales team has zero information about whoever they're calling, they're failing their job to build and, and, create the environment for, you know, trying to help people and serve people, not sell. 
because you're going to come in, right. you know, those different types of buyers of personalities that goes into a cheap motherfucker. Let's be honest. You get a cheap buyer right. based on price, wants a discount. Everybody wants a discount. I don't know what it is. Right. Want That's some cool. type of deal. Why do you always want a deal? Yeah. Like, and but you always want to have those hagulers. You know what I mean? I'm from the South. It is what it is. My dad will walk into anywhere. <laughs> I think he walked into Best Buy one time and was like, what can you do with this? What kind of big deal? He said, we don't do that. We're a big corporation. You know what I mean? So it's a cheap buyer. It's just the way it is. Right. How do you deal with cheap buyers? It's, it's taking it away from the product or the money. A lot of times what happens is we focus so hard on the actual product itself mm -hmm. that we make everything about the product. And you actually said uh, something here just a minute ago, and that is that you will build the solution around their needs. Mm -hmm. And so the if you don't want them to only focus about the, the amount of money with you, then you need to stop talking about the money. And so you need to start talking about the value and understanding exactly what it is that they're looking for and why they're looking for it. I've seen some of the best salespeople who will take someone who's coming in looking for a deal and looking for a discount to purchasing something three, four times as much just because they took the time to understand exactly what that person needs. And not only that, because with somebody like that, when you have somebody who is so focused on the money, a lot of times it's because they are so stuck in their way of thinking, or they think that they absolutely need to get this deal in order for them to truly get what they want. But when you take that piece out and you start focusing on the emotion behind it, but tying it into the logic. So if you want, if you want someone who, you know, if there's somebody there looking for a deal and they want to buy something, they have to get it at $50 and you're trying to convince them to get something at $500, mm -hmm. you're going to have to tie the emotion to the logic. And so you're going to have to remove that, that uh, I guess, that belief that they already have that they have to get something for $50 mm -hmm. or else they didn't get a good deal. And you have to add in why exactly that they're looking for this and what it's going to do for them and then adding any, everything else in from future pacing and all those different things to then tying it into the logic of how that $500 actually makes sense right. for that amount of value. And couple, you know, coupling those things together is huge for any type of buyer that you have. Right. Um, I was talking to someone the other day and what, how can you get across your point of view and have them view things in the way that you're looking at them? I was like, you kind of lead with questions and just be curious and about their current position. What do you like to see in the future of your business? Everybody has, you know, something they want to do. And something you want to hope for all these things that I talk about a lot is here's a great question. I always ask people is have you considered <laughs> that simple? Have you considered blah, 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 based off and just insert blah, 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 but whatever they told you in paraphrase, right. they'll tell you everything Absolutely. you need to know. If you shut up <laughs> everything you right. need to know. And then I'll ask what is missing at the moment in your life or business or whatever, or what do you think about what we've been missing in one to three to five months if you don't make this change? Absolutely. I mean, I just Absolutely. did everything they need to do. You're asking two questions to see what will happen, where they're going to answer first. These questions are using to get the buyer to assess where they currently are at the moment and then analyze how their life could change later or their business, whatever it is. It doesn't matter who you talk to, man, as long as you get to the point and actually help them understand that they're doing something incorrectly or they can always improve? Because you can always improve everything, can't you? Uh, at all, you absolutely can. And that's the thing to that point is, you know, a lot of times what salespeople will do, and I guess imagine for a second that you're, you're on a mountain, right? And you and your prospect are on this mountain. A lot of times what salespeople do is they think they have to go underneath that person and start pushing them up the mountain, right? So I got to go through and, and what that looks like is I'm going to agree with some of the points that you're saying that are actually against what I'm saying. Um, so because I'm trying to become agreeable with you, you know, I want you to think that I'm on your side. But what really they should be doing is they should be on the other side of that mountain, sticking their hand down and pulling that person up. Right. And so I can connect with you and we can agree on certain things, but I will never agree with you on maybe a viewpoint that you have that is against actually what I'm trying to, to help you do. Not that I'm going to come and come, you know, combat that, but I'm going to steer away from it and I'm going to focus a lot of my energy on the actual opportunity or the, what the, the positive things that are going to happen. Not necessarily, you know, the, you know, going down to their level and trying to, 
you know, agree with maybe some of the things that are holding them back in their limiting beliefs. So as a salesperson, you have to be that person who is even willing to say something to that person that might make you uncomfortable just to get them to the point to where, you know, you understand that you're pulling them up and you're bringing them where they need to be. Right. Would you say that it's important for a salesperson to always have the leverage? Absolutely important. Right. Why? Because if you, here's the thing is you have to be an authority. You have to have the credibility. Okay. And then you have to be able to, I don't want to use the word manipulate a situation, but you have to be able to conduct that in that situation. You have to be able to guide it to where it needs to be and having that leverage and leverage can come in many different ways, but having ultimately that leverage, what allows you to do is be able to keep that person from going back to where they were. So for example, I know I'm saying I'm being very vague, but for example, say you're noticing a pattern in somebody. And so every time maybe you say a certain thing, you know, they have a pattern of maybe responding a certain way or going back to maybe somewhere that's negative. And so having understanding that piece right there is leverage because now you're going to avoid that. But the other piece of leverage too is also confronting that and confronting that pattern and going, you know, telling that person, Hey, I'm noticing every time we talk about this, you're talking about this, you know, and you're going here. Why, why is that? Why are you doing that? And I'm going to confront them about it and tell them, is that, do you feel, and this is where I'm going to ask some good questions. Do you feel that that's actually serving you or harming you? Right. And we're going to, we're going to break through that and get past it. And once we get past it, now I have leverage because now they can no longer go back there. So if I already made you commit that say, for example, you know, money is, is a limiting, people have a limiting belief about money, right? And they're very scared to invest money or something along those lines. Everybody, every salesperson hears that, Hey, I don't have the money for it. Well, the way that I'm going to, that piece of leverage for me is I'm going to identify the money without identifying it for the reason of making a purchase. I'm going to identify the money and then I'm going to get them to commit to the fact that they are willing to invest in whatever it might be for themselves you know, or whatever it is that I'm going to offer, I'm going to get them to at least commit to investing money, you know, and not necessarily that they're investing it with me, that they're investing money. And once I get them there and they have committed to that, now they can no longer go back and tell me, no, I'm, I don't have the money or I'm not, you know, I don't want to invest into that, right? That's leverage, right? Being able to um, not allow someone to go back into a rabbit hole or go into a hole or go back, you know, into their patterns that they typically have that have been stopping them from growing. Mm -hmm. A lot of people think that they need to have leverage as some form of manipulation. And it's not. It's just to have a, a something that a client wants, desires, or needs. You're going to do your job to make sure that you're recommending the right student or whoever. It doesn't matter if they're a student, customer, client. You're trying to turn them to a lifelong client. Then that way you can lean in on a referral and bring you more business that a, mar that a CEO or the marketing team doesn't have to market for to make sure that you're doing always kind of have that moral obligation. You're doing the right thing for that person. Yeah. And once you break through that and they start viewing you as, Hey, I'll do anything you want me to do. Chris, I got like nine credit cards. Um, what, what do I do with this budget? That's always the end result. It's important to understand what the end result then scaling and peeling back all the layers all the way to the front of the cold call. Wouldn't you agree? Absolutely. I mean, when you understand effective communication, it's actually, if you, if your intention is to manipulate someone, you'll manipulate someone. And, but a great communicator has the ability to manipulate if they so choose, but that's a choice. And so for you, and, and when you're being ethical and your moral obligation to your client is to do what's in their best interest. And so the reason why you're, you're getting that leverage, the reason why you're not allowing them, or I guess, you know, structuring that conversation or, you know, combating certain things when you do is because you know, it's what's best for them. If you don't, at the end of the day, if you don't feel like what you're all have to offer is what's best for this client, you shouldn't be on that phone call. Right. But if I know for 100% fact that what I'm going to do for you is going to serve you and is going to serve you not just today, but for the long term, then you better bet that I'm going to do everything I possibly can to make sure that you're not running back to where you were. Because the reason why I'm even on the phone with you at this point is to take you out of the hole that you're in or take you out of the current, place that you're in or else you wouldn't even be on the phone with me at that point. Mm -hmm. So I have a reason to talk to you and I, and I know that I can help you. Uh, I am going to do everything I can to ensure that you are going to, you know, get into a better place and follow the path that I'm going to structure for you 
um, so that you can actually get the the outcome that you're searching for. Right. I mean, I hope you guys are listening very closely on what he's talking about because it's now that you're you're thinking of an outcome in mind, you're peeling back all those layers all the way to the front. Now it's crystal clear what you need to do with every single person you communicate with. It's 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 really the people like try to like I don't know why they try to complicate sales. When they complicate sales, they can can't be great communicator in their personal life and then go suck at sales. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, like it's right. the same method. It's not that difficult. Here's rules for closing a sale. You know, if you guys haven't figured it out, is recognize what the closing opportunities are. You can't do that without discovering everything you need to know about the person. Have a conversation. And I'm not insinuating have hour-long conversations with potential buyers. That's not what I'm saying. There's not too much I haven't seen or heard, and I'm sure you feel the same way. I'll get on a phone with someone for two to three minutes and know that if they should be the person I'm talking, I need to be talking to. Right. You got to make that decision. You know, you got to throw the small right. ones out to get the big ones. But the main thing is, is, is how, with speed to contact, how many dials are, can you make that day to get to the right type of people that you need to speak with to set the next, whatever call to action is for yourself in that role. You know, sometimes it's getting to an appointment and then coming down to an educated decision, giving them something to watch or do or, you know, fill out what my companies do and our companies do is we actually get all that done in the front end. So that way we're preparing our salesperson, our consultant or advisor to do their job because their job is to right. help a student. That's what my business is about. My job right. is to put them in a situation to have the student win. And if the student wins or a client wins, everyone's going to win. Do you see? People tell me cold call, cold calling is dead. Bullshit. Cold calling is right. dead if you don't know what you're doing as a CEO. If you don't know what right. you're doing as a manager, you don't know what you're doing as a director or whatever it is, you all these titles don't mean a damn thing to me. Are you a leader? That's the only question I want to ask people. Do you lead? Do you lead by example or you do you lead by your title? Difference. Sure. I mean, it goes, we can go on for days and days and days. And you know, there will be a lot of calls that we're going to be on together and breaking down. And I, I would, I would like to do in, a, in the next couple is, is figuring out, you know, the, the compliance side on what I can share on a lot of different podcasts, but is breaking down live calls and, and going through exactly what you should be doing and what you shouldn't be doing. Cause I can go in here and talk about every little process and teach people how to make a sale, but it's not about just making a sale. It's discovering what is really going to drive people to do the right thing. Right. Um, Absolutely. Um, any last words, man, before we move on to like the next kind of topics and in the next couple upcoming weeks. Well, the only thing I can say at this point is don't fear cold calling. It's actually a great and it's a fun process. And ultimately, if you do it the right way and you truly dedicate yourself and hone in on your craft, you'll find that it's one of the most effective methods because in today's marketplace, cold calling isn't what it used to be. I mean, I used to get lists and lists of names and phone numbers that were completely random. And nowadays, there's at least some level you know, of qualifying or some level of targeting that happens with the leads that you're calling. And to me, that means that they most likely have an interest or have or need what I do. And I'm going to enjoy when even if I have to call 100 people and it comes down to that one person that I help, I'm going to enjoy that one person that I help. And that's what at the end of the day, that's what we're here to do is serve as much as we can. And that's what even if you don't even say the right things, if you don't have the right actions that come with it, then you're going to fail. A lot of people try to do in the, you know, in a cold call or they try to overwhelm people in that first meeting or that first point of contact, give them so much information. It blows their head off. I'm going to give you enough information for you to be able to, you know, educatedly process it to make the right decision moving forward. And do you see me the point of where I can help you? That's what a cold call is or your first meeting is just figuring out, do they see value in you? State your intention, have an outcome, get to a point where you have a commonality and you, they see you as a person of an expert or the person that has value and they go, I think Wes can help me. <laughs> you know what I mean? Is that, is that easy? When people go, I set 19 appointments a day. And I was like, well, what's your show rate for appointments? And they're like, I don't know, like 20%. I'm trying to get it up to 25. I'm like, 25? Don't attempt to sell on your first call, but I am going to prepare a student. And they're not going to walk into, right. they're not going to walk into that next meeting or that next encounter of not knowing what's going to happen. That's another thing that we'll talk about is making sure you're painting the picture of expectations of moving forward and how you want to be treated as a salesperson and how you're going to treat them. That's the biggest thing. Yeah, absolutely. And especially, you know, when you're closing, you got to put a lock on that close. You can't just keep it open. Right. 
if, if you, how you treat every student or how you treat every encounter you come into in business, they're going to treat you the same. No, I mean, I've never been disrespected directly after I had a chance of showing my worth or my value. So remember, at the heart of cold calling has to be genuine desire to be helpful to every person you come encounter with. It's time to reinvent the way that we practice, all of us in the industry, cold calling to provide more value to your prospects and ultimately more success for your business. I was always taught to never judge someone by their actions, judge someone by their intention. So if your intent is pure and you have the outcome in mind for every student, potential customer, potential buyer you come encounter with, so the next time you approach a sales call, especially a cold call and you know nothing about that person, you should do it with the purest and intentions. And what I mean by pure, I mean by honest, direct, and letting the person know what your true motive is. And they don't have the purest intention in mind with the outcome of them winning. I don't need to tell you what's going to happen. That's why people don't buy any more products. People enroll or people get recommended for certain things based off of their emotions, desires, wants, and needs. Why is it important for you right now? So ask yourself, how can you give a little bit more to yourself each day? That 1%. Keep moving, keep growing, keep learning, guys. Hope you got tons of value from this. Wes, I appreciate you being on the call. It's been my pleasure. I look forward to seeing other episodes. Absolutely. You're welcome, Chris. Um, I'm happy to be here and I'll be looking forward to the next episode. Beautiful. Thanks again. Guys, if you want to learn more about our business assessment that we briefly talked about earlier and how we're able to gain as much information from potential students, buyers, I will be happy to have my team upload it in the description of the podcast of the win-win effect, or you can see it on our website. Just listen to the outro. Guys, let's go win our day. Y'all take care. God bless. taking your time and listening to today's podcast of the win-win effect as a thank you for listening and tuning in chris is rewarding you with a placement course webinar with his team to point you in the right direction to massive success in success it's all about living a better quality of life so at the very least subscribe to the win-win effect podcast so you don't miss the next episode feel free to share on your social media or simply tell a friend about it also please rate and review the podcast to find the free webinar and more information please visit tcrconsultingagency.com